0: Hello, I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer, where we get real. <laughs> you know, I was a news anchor for 30 years and I've been in the media business for probably 40. Um, and I think sometimes just having conversations is really what people need to do and um, not being afraid to bring up things that people don't want to talk about and and all that kind of stuff, because um, you, you just we can't live that way. I mean, it just doesn't work. Uh, we've seen what happens when you try to stifle conversation, when you uh, trample on people's freedoms. And if we don't have these conversations and I know sometimes tonight we're going to talk about on this episode, we're going to talk about some stuff going on in the county that I live in, in Broadwater County, Montana. Uh, some some stuff's been going on. And uh, the woman you're going to meet here is taking them to court. And uh, we're, we're going to talk about that. And uh, our sponsors are Montana Oral Surgery and Implant Center out of Helena, Montana, uh, where they believe that uh, we should have all kinds of conversations, good, bad, and ugly. Um, Also, our sponsors, Fairway Independent Mortgage, Greg Henkel. In fact, I have a little message from him. If you're looking to move out of Oregon, Washington, Montana, there's all these little rules that go along. You know how our representatives are. They come up with all kinds of things to make it more difficult that you don't know about. Well, Greg can walk you through that process. Um, That's what he's there for right there in Montana. He's from Oregon and Washington, so he understands all three. He's a really great guy to deal with. Um, Our other sponsors, we're going to hear a little bit more from them a little bit later, but let's bring on our guest. Audrey Martin, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So Audrey kind of, you know, I, I'm going to have you kind of tell people why they should listen to you <laughs> by giving us your cred, but she, she comes into the office where I am and we had this long conversation the other day and I'm going to put me over here. Cause when I, then it looks more like I'm looking at you when I look at my camera, the angle um, and, and you, you're taking the County to court, but we have other things we want to talk about. And I think for my Oregon viewers, um, you, this will be very interesting because I think you're going to see some similarities and things that go on in your state. And hopefully what we learn from all of this is that we are the people. So the government works for us. They wouldn't be here if it weren't for us. And we have got that. Don't you think, Audrey, that we have that so screwed up where we we think that the government that that they're our boss they tell us what to do when in fact we should be telling them what to do
1: absolutely and our constitution in both our beautiful country and in our own state says that and so i mean that's definitely a power that the people need to take back for themselves
0: does it i always used when i ran for office in oregon i used to say does it say we the legislature no does it say we the senators no does it say we the president no it says Starts off with We the People, and yet we the people never use our voice. So tell people a little of your history so they understand you know, that you you actually know what you're talking about.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I'm a Montana girl. I cut my teeth in activism watching my mom and my dad lobby to keep the timber industry in Western Montana, where I grew up and I'm from, but also working with people in Idaho and Washington and Oregon in the late 90s, watching that with the Great Northwest Log Hall, kind of all of that, you know, really, you know, prominent timber kind of stuff. And I always tell people that was the best and worst successes that I ever saw in my career. And so hopefully we can take a lot of lessons learned from that um, and kind of move forward. I'm kind of the anomaly. I was a first generation college student. My dad was a military guy. My mom um, was very poorly educated, um, but still was really passionate about her community and her home. Um, she came from a split family where she had a Native American background as well as um, Caucasian parents so kind of grew up with that social dynamic and that social justice dynamic so it was it was a really interesting household to grow up in because I literally had kind of the best of all the worlds of of those kinds of things and so it was interesting um, fell and kind of got into communications and, and went and got a bachelor's degree in communications and really kind of I was always a social studies freak so I was always the girl in Me school that, that like I was always the girl in school that like if you couldn't do really well in government or you weren't really good in social studies go sit next to Audrey like she had all the answers and I always ask the tough questions. I remember being a senior in high school and my government teacher said, Audrey, why don't you just run for government? You know, why don't you just run for office if you want to argue? And I'm like, well, I don't want to argue. I just want an interpretation. And and so, you know, life happens and, you know, well, how come you don't want to be a lawyer? And I always tell people, I am not a lawyer. I'm a citizen's advocate. And the reason for that being is a couple of reasons. Number one, lawyers are pretty constricted into the little box they're allowed to play in. Like you can only do certain things. As a citizen advocate, I can go out, I can use all sorts of research materials. I like can do all that kind of stuff. So I got really involved. in that kind of stuff, kind of growing up and watching it, um, I paid for college by fighting wildland fire, which is not uncommon for a lot of kids in you know, the Pacific Northwest. That's so them.
0: awesome.
1: <laughs> we fight fire, and I still fight fire, um, just in a little bit different context. And I no longer work for a state and federal agency to do that. But so I always tell people in the summertime, I would fight fire. And in the wintertime, I really kind of honed my skills and got involved in politics. And so I did everything from doing a uh, internship at the United Nations in New York City and a Montana girl living five blocks off of Times Square and five blocks off of Central Park. It was super cool in my 20s to live there. Did, and did you think
0: Did you think those police with the horses, like, oh my God, wait, wait, there's a little bit of Montana here.
1: <laughs> I, it was <laughs> ironic because they, they had a station kind of down outside of where my apartment was and I was always go down and be like, horses, I felt <laughs> like I was a little bit still in touch with my Western heritage, but yeah. And then, you know, I worked in the legislature um, in nonpartisan positions, got involved in campaigns as I got older And I really realized that, you know, when we talk about we, the people, we, the people elect those people. And it seems like somewhere between the voting box and election night, we kind of lose track of that. Like we elect these people and we're like, oh, we elected them. And we read their legend, you know, we read their mail, we read their whatever, but we really don't stay in contact with them. And I saw it on so many levels, um, you know, dealing with the veterans administration with my own father and military issues timber industry, education, I have children, you know, it was one of those things of I'm like, we really just need to do something. And so I just kind of dove into that. Like, it's kind of my thing is that I'm like, I want to make sense of this kind of stuff. And I feel like we need a voice. And everybody, I think, really struggles with what does that look like? Or how do I get involved? And I think there's, I think there's obstacles in the way for people to get involved or voice their opinions for a reason. Um, Because... Wait, 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 wait.
0: So what do you, you, you go... (laughs) okay so what are you saying
1: what i'm saying is, is i think that people aren't involved in having their voices heard in legislative committees in local politics or affairs for numerous reasons and one of them being is those elected officials and those bodies put up barriers to people having access to their government or their elected officials
0: I totally agree with you. And they make it complicated, so complicated that it can't be easily explained. And then they look at you like you're the dummy. Right. And and you and I don't, I don't mind. I don't think there's such a thing as a bad, we could be brother and sister. I don't think there's such a bad thing as I was listening to Jordan Peterson this morning. He said, there are no bad questions. He says, in fact, when you're sitting in a room and you're in a, a group of people and you think of a question and you think, the reason you want to ask it is because you don't understand. And he says that makes you feel like you're going to look stupid. But nine times out of 10, you ask the question that everybody else in the room is thinking the same thing and you end up looking like the hero. If more people would look at it that way, sitting in a county commissioner's meeting, sitting in a budget committee meeting and thinking, whoa, 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 wait a minute. And say, I want you to go back and explain that. And then when they say, well, 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 you know, we'll have to sit down with you at another time. No, 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 this is a public meeting. You explain why the garbage service is going up again after it already went up and make them explain to you and where's that money going, but we're afraid to do that because we don't want to look stupid.
1: I agree. I think it's, we don't want to look stupid. And I also think that many times the people that we're asking the questions to don't want to have to answer the question or don't even have the answer themselves. And it's just status quo. And they don't want to appear like, well, I'm just doing what we've always done here since 19, whatever. And so I think it's, it's a double edged sword on both sides. And so that's kind of one of the things that I really think is If I could encourage listeners to do is go out and ask those questions, learn how that works and get the confidence in yourself to go out and ask those tough questions. And that's what I've done pretty much for the last 25 years of my life is I've went out and asked those questions. Communication is the basis of any sort of, you know, civil, civil and just society. So we need to ask those questions. And I think it's
0: dangerous right now because of what we've been through over the last three years. Um, We were told, don't ask, just go do. And, and those of us who ask um, really got canceled and or shunned and or spit on. Um, and, and I think that's still happening. I mean, I think the most for people, you know, especially in or in uh, here in Montana, um, for, for those in Oregon, what has just happened is and you can explain more. Um, our tax, our tax rates in Montana just skyrocketed. Some people's quadrupled. Mine went up 53 percent um, on my taxes and. And it's really hard to get an explanation as to why that happened. And then what's what's really kind of irritating to me is the Republicans, the Democrats, asked the legislature to meet and, and try to do something about this because property values have gone up so quickly and the Republicans and the governor wouldn't budge. So, you know, the next round of elections, um, those people are in deep shit uh, because I'm a, you know, I'm a conservative voter, but. I'm not going to vote for anybody who who put this on the backs of Montanans because we're we have a lot of poor people in this state who can't afford this. And then we have a lot of people like me at close to retirement and I can't afford this. So you're into this a little bit more than um, what I am because you're a consultant and you kind of look into this stuff, but it's crazy.
1: It is. It's absolutely insane. The overall average property tax bill for Montanans went up forty-eight point five percent. So obviously in some counties that was more, other counties it was less. You know, it was based on property assessments, property appraisals, those types of things. Um, and so it's but you're you're absolutely right. It's Montana is a very overall poor state. Almost 52, 53 cents of every dollar we have is government funding. So there's been been jokes for a lot of years that Montana is a welfare state. So what are we going to do to not be a welfare state? And that kind of goes back to the foundations of Montana. If you know anything about Montana history, we were a boom bust economy. We were built on copper kings and cattle, timber, oil, those types of things. And so Montana's went through these cycles where natural resource development was prominent. It's kind of went by the wayside. And so we go through these boom bust economy cycles, which is pretty common. And for many Western states, um, they have similar things. Montana just went through this really kind of interesting hiccup, though, during the pandemic. And I think that's kind of where um, a lot of people are confused or a lot of people are like, how did we get here? And so I think that's where a lot of really in-depth analysis needs to look. And I think people need to be asking those questions about what's going on.
0: So tell people th- the latest thing for on your end is... And if I say this wrong, anything I say wrong, please correct, because this is how I want people to also understand when you have a conversation, you don't not ask something because you don't have all the facts. You ask the information to get the facts. So are you taking Broadwater County to court or you're you're asking for a moratorium on development? You explain Right.
1: Yep. So it's not at this point in time a court case yet. What we're doing is we're drafting a moratorium based on Montana code annotated and local subdivision regulations, which basically is saying until the county can come into kind of compliance with state law, we need to kind of slow down on development. And I'm, and that I know there's a lot of people out there who are gonna be like, oh my gosh, that's attacking private property rights. And that's not what we're doing at all what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be enforcing the law that's already in place and that's not currently happening. And one of the best examples is Broadwater County because we're not looking at all of those components that go into these subdivisions or these developments. And what people don't understand is, is that if we don't look at the laws that are in place right now, this can strongly affect life or safety of the residents in Broadwater County. And it also gets into almost a constitutional rights violation of people who live in Montana and Montana citizens. So that is kind of the overall kind of five second pie in the sky about what we're doing. Um, I was asked by a group of people in Broadwater County to write this because this is kind of my thing, you know, my background and my history of writing that kind of stuff. So it's been really interesting to talk to people who are um, new to our county, but also people who have been here for generations about what do they want our county to look like going forward. And I think this is just kind of a snapshot of other counties, other jurisdictions, cities and communities across the country who have seen the same kind of growth during COVID.
0: Yeah, because I think it's going on all over the country. I mean, and you know, I, I and 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 development here, I, I I know the the nasty word is um any kind of what planning, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, but but what you're saying and what I've heard from some people in the in the industry is there are how there are many homes here in Broadwater County that aren't even paying an assessment on a tax. And
1: that is what That is what we're learning is is that there are several, I've heard anywhere from dozens of homes to hundreds of homes, depending on who you talk to. And that's what we're asking the commissioners and we're asking our government to do is to, before we get really super carried away about doing other things, let's look at what we've got going on right now. Let's do some long-term planning. Let's do some long-term forecasting as to what this is gonna look like. And let's not use what happened in 2019, 2020, 2021 as the basis for panic. We, we need to do some long-term and investigative work before we get down that road. I think a lot of times we're being kind of sold this bill of goods going, oh my gosh, populations are exploding and it's going to stay that way. But when you look at the actual statistical data, that's actually not the case. And so do I think we need to do long-term planning? Absolutely. Do I think our county is going to look much different in 20 years than it does now? Absolutely. But we need to make sure that we're doing that planning, that growth, that development in an appropriate and legal manner. And that's not happening right now.
0: So what about water? And I mean, because water is a huge concern, especially down by Three Forks, where is that the reason that rest area sits there and, and it's not even open? That I
1: mean, is. There's a,
0: there's a brand new rest area right off the freeway on I-90. Nobody talks about it. It's like the, it, but it's all built. And then it Correct. says closed. And and I've been talking to the, one of the local newspaper guys here. And then you and I had a conversation. So tell people, is that What's the deal? What's the story?
1: Well, and it's interesting because if you ask our commissioners, they say, well, we don't have the information call and ask the state. You call the state, the state says, well, you need to talk to your local commissioners about that. And when I finally made like the third back and forth phone call, I said, okay, let me just throw a theory out here for you. And I said, is it because we don't have water? And the person who answered the phone goes... Well, um, uh, mm, mm. and so in my world, that basically says if I was wrong, you would tell me no, right? And if I was right, you would tell me yes, but you're not going to tell me yes because you don't want that to be a publicly known fact. But what we do know for a fact is when we've had these planning meetings, we've got people or citizens who live in that southern part of the county who said, hey, we don't have consistent water. We can't get water at our new, at our new place. And we can't get insurance because we can't get water, which affects fire rates, um, on your fire insurance and your homeowner's insurance. So I don't think to conjecture that water being the issue with this rest area is inappropriate. I mean, the facts are kind of there. You just kind of follow the trail. Well, and why can't we ask that question? I mean, that's what's, you know, and, and,
0: it, it, it's the same thing with our taxes. I mean, I sat down with the county representative and my wife and I and listened to the um, conversation about why. Because we were our question was, why are we paying in our area? Fifty three percent for education, which I you know, I feel like I should do my part for education. But but I mean, that's a couple grand. And I got other people with kids in schools that aren't paying that. And it's like I, here, for, for that whole thing. Here's my beef. It's like yes, all these people came into your area because they wanted to get out of their blue state or wherever, whatever it was they were looking to get away from. Uh, they came here, um, and your property values, you know, did go up. But you don't, doesn't mean if if it, it doesn't mean you have to take the whole chunk in one year and cause people to do, you know, like not me, but other folks to probably lose their homes. I mean, you didn't have to do it this way, and the legislature could have met and come up with a better plan um, or a different plan that wasn't going to be such a hardship on people. But you know, we we hear you know the governor boasts about the 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 budget being balanced, you know. And yeah, thank you very much, Mister Dancer, and, and and others. But you don't hear you know. And then they give us a six hundred and fifty dollars, like you know, and charge you five thousand on the other side. It's, it's like, w- w- what are they thinking? You know, I mean, it's not about the people. Um, that could be spread out over a few years to, as to bring those property rates up. Why did they have to do it all at one time?
1: Right. And that's what the Supreme Court basically ruled on last week is that, I saw that. many counties had had said, no, we're going to only levy at 77.9 mils. And the Supreme Court says, no, we are going to side with the state and say, you're going to levy those full full 95 mills. So now we've got 37 counties who sent out their property tax bills. They're going to have to go back to their people, their citizens and say, "Mm, we screwed up. We didn't levy your mills appropriately. So now you have an additional tax bill.
0: Was it 37 or I thought it was just a few.
1: It was 37 that had initially jumped on it that says they weren't going to do a full tax collection.
0: What is your, what is your concern with the involvement or the lack of involvement of, of people in this process. Cause I mean, you're out there and you get hated. Um, I'm out here, I get hated. Tim, the newspaper guy writes an article, he gets hated. What is it that, that, that pe- we, the people are missing? Do you think?
1: I think I think it's really easy to hate every every story needs a villain so hey i'm okay with being the wicked witch of the west in this story that's fine but at the end of the day when people come up to me and say gosh my property taxes went from fifteen hundred dollars to sixty five hundred dollars and i don't understand why and i'm like I can explain that to you why it did. And these are the people that you elected. These people that made these decisions are the people that you circled the little, you know, you filled in the little oval for, and you need to be asking them, you need to be holding them accountable and you get the pushback going, oh, but that's not how it works. The thing that I've learned the most out of all this entire process is, is that people are almost scared to question government and that i'm i'm i don't know where that came from i i mean i'm sure that we've seen a lot of things on tv we've seen a lot of things happen in different areas across the country of you know people challenging government but when you look at, at what's going on especially even in our county this isn't a revolutionary you know type type thing we're saying hey why are we doing this? Why are we allowing this to happen in our community? And where is this money going? That's the other thing: is is that where are we putting these funds that we're collecting? Do we really need them? Are I mean, we keep hearing. I know every meeting that you and I've both been to is the budget's really tight. The budget's really tight. And my question is, okay, the budget. Where the, budget's where
0: really the hell is my five thousand dollars going? Correct. If it's if it's so tight, why is my why do you just? increased mine and many other people's by 53%. If I got a 53% raise in my business, I would not be complaining that I didn't have the money to operate my budget on.
1: Right. And I think, and that's exactly it, is that where are these funds going? And I keep hearing, well, you know, it's gonna take a couple of years for them to get on the tax rolls. But here's the interesting thing. If you look at the development and you look at the growth, so Broadwater County, and these numbers come straight from the Montana Department of Commerce's website. So in 2020, Broadwater County saw nine point five percent growth from the previous year, which was this county Broadwater County grows at about two and a half, two, two to half two and a half percent every year. So we saw nine point five percent growth from 2019 to 2020. So we get into 2021, we're at about 7.7%. We get into 22, we're at about 5.9%. 2023's estimates are at 4.1. And then 2024, we're back to kind of that 2.3, 2.5 kind of growth. Okay. So we had this, this, gro- this boom bust kind of- Because growth of
0: COVID curve. and people like I- me who left their state and came somewhere better-
1: Yep, the Montana theory is COVID, COVID, and Costner is what caused that growth and development. So that's that's the inside joke with the Montana kids is it's COVID and Costner. But anyway, so we have this, we had this growth and development. Well, now we're going. Oh my gosh, we have all these people. We have issues with infrastructure. We have issues with services. We have issues with water. We having issues with traffic and congestion and those types of things. Things that many people have never seen before. And and now we're going. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! We have these problems absolutely and they're here to stay until we do some planning and that's part of what we're trying to kind of do with this citizens initiative is saying okay we know that we've seen this growth in the last amount of years Let's pump the brakes on crazy development, and and let's let's hold people accountable, because we know in small communities a lot of times it's just been, hey Bob, go out and do what you're gonna do. We got this. We can't use that. We can't utilize that form of government anymore. We're not gonna be able to vote Bob in to be our county commissioner, our mayor, or whatever, just because you know he'll do us a favor when he's in there. Bob's going to have to follow the same rules and regulations that Rick and Audrey and everybody else is going to follow. We just can't have that anymore. And I and I get that that's a traditional, you know, Western kind of thing. The handshake is still very very important. But the reality is is that a handshake also has to take into account. All of the rules and regulations and law that we've previously established. Montana, for example, is one of the few states that address water in our in our constitution. It's it's really? an entire yeah. it's an entire section in our constitution and talks about the environment and natural resources and the white right to free and clean water. And I always laugh and go, it's kind of ironic because when we had the timber argument back in the late late 80s, early 90s, and we said, oh, we can't develop and we can't utilize timber because you know it affects the environment. That was the argument then. But now that we're on the flip side of that, we're just saying that doesn't matter. And so that's always interesting to me because we're, we're having the same fight, but in a different context. And especially when it comes to water, Montana has senior water. water rights. In itself, could be its own show for you, just oh, it's because huge. it's a very, it's a very complicated thing. And and people in the West, as we know, wire and water settled the West. So when we talk about that kind of stuff, there are very strong opinions. There are very strong laws. There's a very there's a water court in Montana. Um, there's there's some very definitive things in Montana that make water rights incredibly complex. And they're incredibly important. And so when we get into these kinds of things where we're talking about non-exempt wells for, for development, or we're getting into things about, we don't really need to worry about what we may or may not be doing with Canyon Ferry water and stuff like that. Those are all really important factors that we need to bring these people to the table and be having these conversations on. It's not just as simple as stamping approved, On a subdivision application. And I am all about private property rights. I am, I do not want to confuse anyone about that. But all I'm saying is, is that if I was going to build a highway or I was going to log a piece of property, I would have to follow the rules and regulations to do that. And all I'm saying is, is that you need, we need to be doing the same type of thing for development. Well,
0: now we keep hearing, like I keep hearing from (laughs) county officials here, Broadwater County is the most growing county and, you know, this kind of stuff. And, and, and yet, and so I feel like the state of Montana kind of took advantage of the situation. This is my opinion. I have no facts, but, but you watch. So it goes up to 9% and now we're dipping back down. So here, while we're in the middle, it's like, okay, raise those property values. Cause then, then those values are going to go back down, but I'm already paying my taxes. You know what I mean? It's right. like, I feel like, you know, you know I, I get, I get people on here. I'm a seventh generation Montanan and You don't you don't get to come here and say anything. And it's like a guy wrote on my page when the seventh generation Montanan starts paying my five thousand dollar tax bill, then you can shut me up. But until then, I am going to have an opinion and I'm going to voice my concerns because I'm paying into the process like you are my share. So what is that with that? Do you feel like that, too, like that you took advantage of all these people moving in? It's like,
1: I I think this is kind of a a twofold situation. I think number one, Montana panicked because we never, I, I honestly don't believe that we ever thought we would see that level of growth and development in Montana that quickly. And then I also think that there's a whole lot of people in a whole lot of positions, and not just government, whether it be agencies or private sector or whatever, who are kind of going out selling a whole lot of snake oil to the citizens of Montana, going. Like,
0: what's the snake oil? What, what's the snake? Which? What's it? I
1: think. I think we're having so. So the, you know, the conversation is, oh my God, we're the fastest growing county, but are we? Because the numbers don't justify that. When you look at counties like Gallatin, broad. When we look at counties like Gallatin, Missoula, Yellowstone County, their growth and development was way larger per capita. They were larger, and huh. so when I he- when I hear that, I go, "Is that per capita? Like, like, wh- how are we the fastest growing county? Look at Flathead County. So, Kalispell, up by Glacier Park, that county has been growing exponentially for years, long before." COVID and Costner and, and kind of that whole kind of thing. Gallatin County, another one of those counties. My husband went to college in Bozeman and he we joke about the fact that we remember when Belgrade was a class B school and you actually packed a lunch to go from Bozeman to Belgrade. It wasn't just this kind of continuous city. So when we look at that, we go, oh my gosh, we're growing so fast. I fully and completely understand and am very empathetic to traditional Montana families and the fact that we've been here for generations. And we do need to preserve that heritage. We do need to preserve those agricultural lands. Absolutely 100% in agreement with that. So when people start going, well, I've been here for seven generations – where have you been for seven generations? Have you lived in downtown Bozeman? Are you an agriculturalist whose property is being sold or you have to subdivide it to pay the property tax bill? What is your story? Because let's be honest, we can all go all the way back to Manifest Destiny and you know Thomas Jefferson and Lewis and Clark and go, how many of us are really truly honestly traditional Montanans? And I mean, that's a whole nother argument for a different day. But so let's let's have that conversation. America's a melting pot, right? Like right. we're all we're all immigrants for the most part, unless you're come from a Native American background. So, I think this whole idea that we're going to protect Montana and, and when people aren't going to move here and if we talk bad to them, you're all going to pack up and leave. That's not the case. However, on the flip side of that, I do think that people who move to Montana, also got sold a bill of goods. And the fact that we have low property taxes, we have all of these freedoms. And this is my biggest fear, just looking at political trends throughout the years is, is that we went through a really definitive stage in kind of the early to mid 2000s with Montana where it was not cool to be conservative. It was really tough to be a conservative. And we had a significant amount of non-conservative control over our state for a number of years. And my biggest fear is, is that we had a whole lot of people move to Montana during this COVID Costner pandemic kind of thing. And they're like, oh, we're going to move here for freedom. But then on the same hand, they were kind of sold to goods too, because it was like, oh, property's cheap. And you're going to have this and you're going to have this and you're going to have this. But we really can't fulfill that promise that we made them either.
0: Right. Okay. Hold your thought because I want to talk to you about other things. Just a sec. Let me run a couple of commercials here real quick.
1: The smile is huge. I mean just having a smile um, when you interact with people, it uh, really uh, makes people much more confident, much more comfortable, and uh, restoring those smiles and the same thing with facial trauma. When you have patients who've been through facial trauma and reconstructing um, the face, it's it really makes a tremendous impact on people emotionally. and. That's always appealed to me. I really like taking care of the whole person.
0: So um, what's the next step for you then with this, this moratorium?
1: So what we're going to do is we're going to get uh, um, we're going to get this drafted. A few people that are really interested in kind of spearheading this are going to look that over. We're going to do some editing. Um, there's conversations about turning it into a petition. There's conversations about making it um, just a request to the commissioners. We'll see where it goes from there. But it's really going to be in the hands of the citizens of Broadwater County to kind of drive this sort of change or this sort of request from the commissioners.
0: What is your um- you know, one of the things I've noticed, and I noticed this in Oregon as a news guy, is um, the lack of the lack of involvement by people to pay attention to what's going on. It, th- there's a ton of people here and in Oregon, I think all over the country who just want, you know, I just don't want to just, you know, just leave it alone. And then they only get mad when they get their property tax bill and it's gone up and they realize, well, the reason, 53% and $2,000 of my bills going this because you built a new school, which maybe you needed a new school. Maybe you did it. You know, who knows? I wasn't here. I, I, and I understand that's my bill, but when you vote for things, there's a cost that goes with that. And I think people just say, it's almost like buyer beware. You know, you're going to, if if you don't look into what you're doing, um, you know, you could be buying something you didn't really plan on and it's going to come back to haunt you.
1: Absolutely. And I think that I think voter education, constituent education is so important. And I think that we as a society do a very poor job of that. Um, we don't really educate people about what the the truthness is to what they're buying, whether what they're voting for, or even who they're voting for. Um I think that is probably one of the biggest, issues that we have just overall across the countries, people don't know what they're people don't know what they're doing and it's and it's not their fault we've made it the the system the government system has made it so difficult for a person to go in and say hey i'm rick and i would like to know how many students we have in our school and what did that look like 10 years ago and how did that grow and that makes and it's really difficult for people to ask those questions because they don't know where to get that information number one number two they don't know how to ask for it and number three is if you picked up the phone and called certain places, they'd be like, I'm not gonna give you that information, you need to do a FOIA, or you need to do this, or you fill out this form, or come on down to the office. And we're all so busy with life. We have kids to raise, we have businesses to run, we have aging parents to take care of, we have all of these other things, you're just like, okay, it must not be that important, I'm just gonna go on with my day. And so I think that one of the biggest things that we need is we need more transparency in our government systems and systems that we are paying for. Um, To be able to get those answers, it shouldn't be that difficult. If you have a question, you should be able to pick up the phone and ask that question. It should not take, you know, uh, uh, seven pieces of paper to get a question answered.
0: Right. I I mean, I've left a message with the the county commissioners. They were very good about getting back to me. I left a message with the superintendent of the schools. Never did get a call back. It was on a totally different topic. Um, But but I think people run into that a lot. And you just you don't have I don't you know, it's hard enough. To keep my credit card when you know, I'm sorry, you've got a debt. You know, I mean, the amount of time or insurance you go to the doctor and then having to fight them because you didn't go for this and you got charged for that. I think when it comes down to some of this stuff, we've we've abdicated our responsibility and become apathetic. And to me, apathy is the most dangerous, dangerous thing because government officials use apathy as a blanket to to quiet us down. And then they go ahead and do what they think is best for us. But if you don't even know what we think and we're not making that known, I'm not just blaming government officials because I think we do a poor job of telling them what we want. But it's like, you know, when I don't know, it, it is so frustrating. And this is not new. This is not just Montana. I saw this in Oregon all the time. Is one voice, one side, the loudest, squeakiest wheel always got the grease. And 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 then the other people were busy working and like you said, taking care of their kids and things and didn't have time to hang out with this, which is why it's so important what Tim's doing with the Broadwater County News is writing these people so that they do have to be accountable and answer those questions. Because that's I don't think people here kind of understand. I could get my my mother used to say my tit in a ringer. Um, I could, she's a farm girl. I could get myself in some trouble with this, but you know, that's the job of a news person is to ask the questions that the community wants to have answered. And you may not always like the way they ask the questions, but you sure do want that person writing and going to those meetings and standing there and listening. And I would be, I would hope that our local officials would be much more open to answering those questions. Uh, than what I've heard that they are because that's the that's the link right there to the community. So if you're not if you know if you're not supportive of of hard questions, it's so funny, Audrey, because I just listened to Jordan Peterson this morning talking about this very thing about classrooms and pe- when he was working with people that how how people just don't want to look stupid, and it's like it's okay. What I think what's worse than looking stupid is is being ignorant, you know, and 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 not. Not even propose or being of too uh, too uh, maybe having a lack of courage to say this just doesn't seem right, and I want it. I want better answers. And then if you go like my wife and I did, and we got the answers, I understand a little better what was going on. But I still think it's wrong, and and I don't have to change my mind. I just need to educate myself. But it seems like we're afraid to do that.
1: Yeah, when we're little and we're learning how life works and we're teenagers and we make those those mistakes. We, you know, stay out past curfew or we run our truck down on E. We there's there's life lessons to be learned with that, correct? And right. so when we look at these kinds of things and we go, oh my gosh, my property tax bill is now five thousand or six thousand dollars. What mistake did I made to get there? Is it moving to Montana? We all love Montana. We're not gonna argue that. But did I not pay attention to what was going on in my legislature? Did I not write my congressman? Did I not did I not actively get involved in that kind of stuff? And I think that's what it is is that I don't think it's any one person to blame. I think it's just kind of a societal norm that we yeah. don't we don't want to question those things and we don't want to ask those questions because it's it's scary and it's dangerous. And I will say, we are really lucky in Montana because we do. We see our commissioners on the street. We we see them at football games. We see them at at community events. So we can ask those questions. We're very lucky in Montana, we have a citizen legislature. So any Montana citizen can go out and they can lobby and they can do their own own hard work during the legislative session. And that's great. Like we have better access. If you've spent any time in Washington DC, you know how hard it is to be able to testify in a congressional hearing. You have to get the little embossed invitation and they have to vet you and you you just don't go walking in there past the red ropes unless you know you have the the cred or the, the whatever to do that. So we're lucky in Montana that we don't have we don't have those kinds of obstacles. But we still have that obstacle of ignorance of how do we do that? And I think part of that does fall on those of us that have that knowledge to share it with other people, get them involved. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I like to tell people when they come to me and go, my property taxes is this high. is My first question is, so are you going to run for office? Oh no. <laughs> I, you know, are, are you going to go lobby the legislature and say, hey, I'm a sixth generation Montanan and I have to sell off X amount of acres to be able to pay my property tax bill? Well, I, you know I don't have time to do that. And so if you don't make the time they're going to make the time to make sure you don't have the time. And so that's going to affect it. We look at, you know, I have a sophomore in high school, my son's 16 and he can't wait to get out of Montana because it's just not enough for him. And I go, why is our biggest export in Montana? It's not timber. It's not oil. It's not cattle. It's our children. Why are our kids leaving Montana in droves? Economic issues, not, you know, being able to afford a house. Like what does that look like? And so how do we keep those how do we keep those kids that were educating in Montana for all those money? How do we keep them in Montana? Most of them go away and they come back. They're like me. They they went off somewhere else and we came home and we chose to raise our families here. But is that opportunity gonna exist for my kids or my grandkids? Probably not. That's the reality.
0: You know, when you bring that up, I I now I'm mad at myself because I, I remember the, when the when the uh, announcement came out that the Democrats were asking the Republicans to go take a day and look at this property tax thing. And, and have a special session and do something. And I did nothing. Um, that was my moment when I could have called my representatives and said, I don't care if you're a Republican or whatever you are, get your ass in that special session and figure out how you're going to fix this. You know, and for me, part of it is, too, because I'm new to the state and I came here to assimilate. But I'm realizing I can't assimilation and apathy. You, you can't they don't I, they, I, I can't just shut up. You know, and it may not make people happy. And I may be the part of the problem. I've been told that too. these people like you that are part of the problem. OK, but now I'm here and I want to be part of a solution. And, you know, and I mean, I, I think it's um, what I still see really what I love about Montana is I still see these people like I'll be walking downtown and I'll have um, older ladies uh, usually will walk up and they'll look around. They go keep pushing them. And I, I, that, to me, Mr. Seventh Generation Montanan who writes me nasty notes, that's not Montana. Montana is that little old lady who looks around and sees bullshit, sees some people trying to cry it out, call it out, and comes up and doesn't want to make a scene, but will whisper in your ear, you keep pushing them. That's a Montana to me. You know what I mean? That's an old Oregonian, too. Rugged, independent people um, you know, who, who, who understand what the truth is. And, uh, but the problem with rugged individualist is we all think we're right.
1: (laughs) You know, and and I, 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 and I fall in that same category as you is that, you know, I took a break from politics. You know, I had my kids and I'm like, I'm going to raise my kids and I'm just going to let the professionals handle the political field. And it was interesting. My, my turning and I have no problem sharing this with anyone is, is that uh, my husband and our children said well, we've two of my kids my daughter who's the oldest She grew up in the capital like she could probably give a better capital tour than you know the, the the people in Helena who they hire to do that, but she, you know, my, my oldest one kind of graduated out of that. And so my younger ones just didn't, um, you know, they hadn't been there and they're like, Hey, we've never been to the Capitol. So I go bebopping up to the Capitol. And I said, I was kind of incognito mom with the baseball cap and, you know, the leggings. And I was like, Oh, and this is the, this is this building. And this is this building. And uh, a legislator who I've known for a long period of time was within one of the committee rooms and he opens the door cause we were looking in there and he goes, come on in kids. And he looks at me and he says, so, uh, are you going to get back into the game or are you just going to let Montana go by the wayside? And I'm like, I was like, I'm taking a break. I'm raising my kids. I'm, I'm PTAing. I'm, I'm, I'm football mom. I'm dance. I'm doing all these kinds of things. And it was interesting because on my way home, I was sitting there and I was going, he's not wrong. Like you have to stay engaged. I have to be able to PTA football games, run my own business, do my job. And I still have to be engaged in my community. Cause at the end of the day, if we don't all do that, We're not going to have communities to fight for. We're not going to have seventh generation people in Montana going forward because our kids can't afford to come home. Our kids can't afford to stay here. You know, we don't have that. So you can't, you you can't be apathetic anymore, you know, and I'm just as guilty as the next person.
0: Well, to me too, and I have nothing to base this on except for experience is if you don't plan growth in Broadwater County, growth will plan you. So Correct. you can you can i don't want this to turn into the, i want it to be the way it always was it, nothing is the way it always was my life isn't the way it always was my i don't have any my parents aren't here anymore christmas is never what it always was nothing is like that but if you want to have a say in how that growth happens you had better get your ass in that game or it's going to come when that development goes in out there those multi-million dollar homes it's there will be people coming in and if you don't have it set up They'll set it up, and then you'll be sorry. Happened in a little beach town where my parents have a house for 50 years. One family came in with a lot of money, built a brew pub, two condos, and now it has a day spa. And our little house is sitting here with all this around it. And the the cute little town of Pacific City, now all the urban people come out. And they, oh, it's so wonderful. It's like, no, I liked it when the ladies at the grocery store had black teeth. It was a lot more fun to shop there. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so if, if you don't get involved, it, it somebody else will and it might not be at your best interest because your voice isn't, you know, for me, Audrey, like the whole reason I do everything and I've always done everything I've done is I believe everybody has a voice and they should be able to use it whether I agree with them or not. Because that's what this community, that's what our country was founded on. That's community. That's why COVID scared the shit out of me. And we moved because they were taking away our freedoms to speak. I came to Montana. Yeah, I got some haters. But you know what? I still can speak. You guys still let me talk. And you may not like it, but I still do it. And, um, and, And when that goes away, you're in deep crap.
1: I mean, oh, absolutely. Really. absolutely. I mean, I look at people. Agriculture is so important. Agriculture is Montana's number number one industry, and we're talking about growth and development. How are we going to keep feeding our our society? How are we going to keep feeding the people in our country if we don't have protected agricultural land? If we don't have those kinds of things, how are we <laughs> going to build houses if we can't cut trees? I mean, that's been an argument I've been having for twenty almost thirty years now. So those are all things. But on the same hand, I want to also make sure that it's not just about you know protecting those agricultural lands and all that. My concern is how are we going to have the roads to be able to get. you law enforcement or get you ems services because we don't have those people available because we just don't have the population that's that's doing that anymore what about water like let's let's address the water issue we need to do a water study we need to look at what and and, you know let's look at what the water rights are let's look at all of these we do environmental impact statements every time we want to cut a tree why are we not doing environmental impact statements on growth and development
0: and here's the other thing that i think that people in townsend should look at and is canyon ferry That is one big economic driver and everybody's going to be wanting your water and you watch other cities need water and they're going to be coming to begging and you better figure out what you're going to do about that before it happens and utilize the asset that you have, you know. I I could be really like get into myself in a lot of trouble put where's the make a nice place to eat down on the waterfront. I mean, we have this beautiful waterfront and there's not a a way for people to use it. You know, do think about that when you're planning for the future and what's going to happen? You know, you've got that asset. That's a
1: huge
0: asset. Um, It's like gold, you know,
1: and, and you know, I was talking, my we were talking about the northern lights the other night. You know, I live I live in the northern part of the county, so we don't have a lot of the light pollution. And I said, you know, one of the things that I joke about is I'm really lucky. I got to see, you know, I see the northern lights from my house and I don't have the light pollution. And people are like, oh, my gosh, you take these amazing pictures of the northern lights. I want to be able, when my grandkids come along, to be able to take them out and say, see, stand on Nana's deck and you can see the northern lights over Canyon Ferry. It's beautiful. I, it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. I want my my grandkids to be able to see that kind of stuff but if we don't address growth and development if we don't address what that looks like we're not going to have those things we're not going to have you know places to go recreating we're not going to have that because we're going to have these hodgepodge of things or we're going to have people who are moving here and this is this is my biggest fear is that we're going to have people moving here who buy these homes or develop these homes and they don't have water and and then what do we do like we have these big huge elaborate homes that are developed and grown and they don't have water. And what a, does that do?
0: There's a commercial on the radio, and I, at first one time I heard it, I kind of laughed. But but I've lived on a well, you know, for 40 years. We had it back when Oregon. We lived out in the country too. But it says when you build a house, you need water. Well, it, you know, in in Oregon, most people are on city water. <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I mean, a lot right. of people. And so right. it's like that's. I remember when when the power would go out, and I'd go to work, and I'd go to the gym, and take a shower. So people go, why why why? the power went out. Why do you not have water? We'll see a pump works on electricity. And so I don't have eWeb or the big power company still feeding me power, my water. I, it's all done by that. But I think that people don't understand that. um, Yeah. If you've got three forks, if you, if you've got that whole area and you're building, you're approving all these houses and you don't know, you haven't done a feasibility study to, and I don't know this for a fact, I'm just, but do they know how much water's there? How much, how much, how many people can it, can it was wh- can it hold up and now you got all that development Murdoch's is going in supposedly down there the brewery how much water can that area really to d- give to to do that and then come up to right. winston how much water do they have that new development out on the um whatever that's called i can't remember out by duck Doug-
1: okay. Oh, Spokane Hills has got, you know, we got that out there, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's why these feasibility studies, that's why these water studies, that's why partnering with these organizations that, that have this type of information or can conduct these types of assessments and these types of surveys to really give us good information is so, you know, we, we talk about putting the cart ahead of the horse, you know, I understand that everybody wants to move here. It's beautiful. And like I said, there's a reason why I live here now too, but I also don't want a bunch of people to move here and not have water and not have access to the, to the basic needs that they have to be able to survive. And so we need to kind of, you know, this, and we're not going to affect The growth and development, I think people are like, oh my gosh, moratorium is such a scary thing. That moratorium or that concept of doing a moratorium is for protection of the people. It's not a property, it's not a private property rights grab. This isn't for protection of the people because here's my concern, here's my other concern. And I'm not a lawyer, but if I'm selling you a piece of property and I'm like, oh, this is beautiful and it's great and it doesn't have water on it. Where do those liabilities go? And we've seen there's multiple cases where people have gotten into trouble with real estate and land transactions and all that kind of stuff. Like this is about protecting people. Or you know we're looking at you know climate change, whatever you pick your fancy about about those kinds of things. But one of the things that we're looking at is we're looking at an El Nino cycle, and this is the the firefighter side of me. El Nino means hotter and drier. Well, if we're not having snowpack in the mountains, we're not refilling those aquifers, we're not refilling, you know that those underground things. Um, we're gonna have a hotter, drier year. So if everybody's watering. How many wells can that sustain? Where's our water gonna come from? We're gonna have irrigation issues. We're gonna have that type of stuff. And then all you need is a fire and you're off to the races and you've got a huge situation.
0: Well, but a lot of people, we didn't know this. Well, we knew when we came in, my wife, my my, wife, my wife is a researcher but you're a you're a buyer beware state too once you like oregon and other places you buy a house if you know it's a year down the road or something you can go back in montana it's like once you sign the papers it's done right i mean right but
1: again that's just a single flick of a pen of a legislative action and that all changes so you think about that so you're correct montana is a buyer beware state but again a legislative action, a governor's signature, um, and we're off to, and, and then we're in that position. So those are all things, and that's what I'm saying, is, is that we're talking about growth and development and sharing of ideas. People are coming here, Montana is becoming more of a melting pot. You're not the first person that's thought of that. <laughs> you right, know, and right. we're probably not the last. So if you think about it, we're going into another, we'll be going into another legislative cycle next year. You know, next year at this time, we'll have a a, a, legisl- a new legislative body. What's to stop somebody from saying, nope, we're not going to be a buyer beware state. We're going to go and follow what Oregon does or what Idaho does or what anybody else does. And then you have a flick of a pen. And then you've opened up this whole other realm of litigation.
0: God, and so. The- no, I'm sorry. I could talk to you for like days. So <laughs> here, let, let, let me bring up two other things that I want to talk about while I have them on my head. Um, oh, God, one of them just disappeared. Um, I look at this more. The moratorium word to me is like the word Pause taking a pause and saying, "Okay, wait, 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 let's hold off and maybe set a timeline. Let's take a year to do this. My question is, are the county commissioners and other elected officials going to be going, whoa, 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 wait, that's money coming in, you know, development brings in more tax dollars. We don't want to, you know.
1: Yeah. and, And I don't have the answer to that. That's a really good question for our elected officials but i my my argument would be this if we take a pause and we do things correctly and we make sure that these that these houses are on the tax rolls and we make sure that they have water and they we're protecting the environment with sewer systems or whatever you know septic tanks whatever that looks like and we're doing that correctly then people are going to want to come here they're going to yeah. want to develop responsibly we're going to attract the kind of people that we need to build our community to build our state we don't want people here who don't care about resources and water and what our state is built off of like that would be my pushback for anybody who wants to move here is if you want to come here i am i am well like we are a melting pot come on you know it, it is what it is but we also need people who recognize that water is is the lifeblood of of any community we also need to understand that you know if you're building your houses on unfit soil we got some issues, you know, we need to, we need to put that moratorium and that pause on just for, like you said, it's not a private property rights issue. It's not, we're not trying to grab private property rights. We're trying to make sure that the citizens of Montana are protected and all of their rights are protected under the constitution, under all of these other things that Montanans, whether you're a new Montanan or a seventh or eighth generation Montana, your rights are being protected. And that, that is really important.
0: What I what I said, I, every time we go home back to or back to Oregon, because this is home now, but every time we go back to Oregon, um, I see all the garbage, even in rural Oregon, just trash on the side of the roads. And somebody says, well, don't they have that in Montana? And I said, no, you know what I think? Because they call this the last best place. And it really is. And I think the reason I say to my friends, if you throw something out your window in Montana, the guy behind you will shoot you and he will kill you. <laughs> And you won't have any there that's not going to court. This is like, don't do that to Montana. I don't want to ever see that leave Montana. And I think for those of us, like my wife and myself, that come here, that's why we're here. I like that attitude in Montana where this is our state. But I think my encouragement would be to people then get involved because here's my warning I saw what happened when. Oregon got bombarded with people from the Southern part of the West coast and it changed everything. And, you know, and I've had people say when you come here, you know, don't bring your politics. Well, I'm, I'm going to bring my politics because it's part of my life. But fortunately um, I think a lot of people that end up coming here, they are uh, tend to be more concerned about the things you and I are concerned about. And um, you know, I, I'm, I'm more concerned about my water rights and my pronouns And I don't give a shit about pronouns, but I sure care a lot about the environment and the place I live and the people that I live around. Uh, That that makes me uh, very happy. So. Um, Audrey so last thing for you so when do you file when will this I mean what like when will people see the next action
2: on this
1: so we're hoping to have kind of the rough draft kind of done um, before the first of the year and kind of get a plan together of whether or not we're going to do it as a petition or we're going to do it as just uh, an ask of the commissioners but th- this is one of those things that definitely there's a group of people who are part of this it's obvious it's not just myself there's a group of people like I said that are that are working on this and it is it's going to be publicized in the local papers there'll be some Facebook stuff on it. So really strongly encourage people to get involved. If people have questions, by all means, don't hesitate to reach out to me. If I don't know the answer, I can find you a person who does. But yeah, I mean, I think the the thing about this is, is we just want to get this done. We want to start having this conversation about what do we want Broadwater County to look like going forward? And what do we need to do to make that happen? And what is the safest and the best way to protect everyone going forward?
0: Okay, so when you get that written up, We'll, uh, like right after the first of the year, let's have you back on and we'll explain it in verbatim, like what it is. So take the time, not like a news story, like, oh yes. And here's it. You know, We'll just take the time to go through Absolutely. it with people so they can really see what that is. Okay.
1: Absolutely. I'd love to.
0: Audrey, thank you so much for doing this. That was, oh, that was awesome. That made me feel <laughs> okay. like I, It made me feel like I was doing my job, you know?
1: Awesome. Well, thank you uh, for having me.
0: Oh, you're welcome. We'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. All right, there you go. So that's the way you do it. You get ahead of the game. You don't let the game run you. You go in and you set up the rules and the, and, the, and the setup of what you're going to be doing. And again, don't think of this as a moratorium. Think of it as a pause. Because, you know, I was just reading something in my streams in the desert the other day. I'm going to give you a little religion here. Um, <clears throat> in, in every great musical piece, there's a pause. In every great speech, there's a pause. In the middle of the storm, there's a calm. In the middle of a wheel, everything on the outside of the wheel spinning, the middle of the wheel stays still. A pause is just a way to figure out where you are. And maybe it's time for Montana to just figure out where where it is so it can determine where it wants to go. Don't be afraid of the pause. Okay? Okay. Um, One more ad here, a friend of mine, Dr. Michael Bratlin out of Eugene. He loves pauses. He loves freedom of speech and he would love this conversation because it's just involvement. Um, He's created something I use. It's a, he took your, the night guards that you use so you don't, you know, crunch your teeth, put a little, a little plastic wire thing on it. And it works for people. It's not a diagnosis, but it works for sleep apnea. Watch well hello everybody joining me is dr michael bratlin from chris dental family dentistry
2: i made one of these appliances for myself just to, the 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 to see how to experience it just just so i knew what to tell my patients what what it was and, and rick just show everybody real quick what it looks like yeah
0: so here's what it is you guys this is what it looks like and you just so what that it does
2: in- is it moves the jaw forward and there's different size bands bands. And so everybody starts out with the second longest band. And so it kind of moves the jaw forward, but now I've been doing it for two years now. It has changed my life and it has changed a lot of people's life. FYI, these devices, they cost anywhere from three to $6,000 in a lot of dental offices. If you you don't have insurance, I think it's like, I think it's about 12 to 14 hundred bucks.
0: Well, I think it's awesome because I think there's a lot of people like you and me who don't qualify for as sleep apnea, but we are. Snoring, grinding our teeth, and not sleeping well. And here's something that's, I mean, it's pretty dang simple.
2: Um, I I couldn't live without it. And that's why I kind of reached out to you. I'm like, hey, we got to let people know because it is such a life changer.
0: Dr. Michael Bratlin, thank you for coming up with new inventive ways to stop us from grinding our teeth (laughs) and just might help you sleep a little bit better at the same time. So for those of you in Oregon, uh, you can take advantage of that. If you live in Montana, I'm not sure how we'd get the mold taken. Hmm. Always a problem. Um, I'm Rick to answer, share this on your page. If you're, especially if you're here in Montana so that other Montanans can see this and understand what's going on and be thankful. I mean, we live in a country where you, it's about you, it's about you and me. And those people work for us. So sometimes you have to not remind them, you just have to remind yourself. And you know what? Demand. It's okay to demand.